Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women and perfect stories and the God who's so graciously at work in our mess. I'm your host, Jen Jewell, releasing a brand new episode every other Tuesday. The Messy Table is partnered with My Church, Life Church, and our awesome women. You can check out some great additional resources at life.church/sisters. But more than anything, we are all about the Capital C Church, the global body of Christ. So wherever you're coming from, whatever you're going through at this exact moment, you're welcome and wanted here. Guys, this would not happen without the bold and courageous women from all walks of life who willingly open up their lives, their stories, and let us all in. Our goal here is like that in Revelation 12, 11, where God's people are victorious over their enemy because of the blood of Jesus and because they speak what God has done in their own lives. Hey, you know it and I know it, life is busy, and sometimes the only thing we see are the filtered images on social media. But man, there's so much more to life, so much more beauty and depth, and even hard things happening behind the scenes. You are not alone in the mess, but God is ingrained in the details of our everyday lives, and we don't wanna miss it simply because we're not paying attention. So the messy table is a common gathering place where we can all kick off our shoes, scrub off our makeup, and take a deep breath of fresh air. It's not perfect. But I can promise you one thing, there's something powerful that happens when we're brave enough to show up right where we are, as we are, letting others in and allowing God to do work. So y'all, my guest today is Jillian Zavaki. She's bold, she's real, she's on staff at our church. She's 32 and single, yet she refuses to let the world's standards or even her own plans and desires define God's bigger plan for her life. Today, Jillian's sharing about the key to community, the plans she had that didn't turn out as she imagined, and the mess that's led her to find contentment. Plus, she's cracking open some of the joys and misconceptions of singleness. Guys, this episode is definitely for all of us. As unique as we are, there's power in listening to and learning from each other. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join us at the messy table. Hey, Jillian. Thanks for being here. Hey, Jen. Thanks for having me. Derek made me promise to call you Jill Z. So okay, yes. there you go. <laughs> That's your famous nickname. That's also my family's nickname for me. So they'll be Is really it? proud. <laughs> Yay. Jill Z made it all the way to Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> well, first, we want to know all about you. Who are you? Who are we hearing from? So if you would just give us a little introduction, a peek into your life. Yeah. So my name is Jillian Zavaki, and I am 32 right now. I'm a mom of two wonderful little kitties. <laughs> I have a four-year-old cat named Layla. Not um, kitties with a D, but actual yes, cats. kitties with a with a T. That's right. Kittens. Kitt- uh, one is four years old, and her name is Layla. And then I just adopted a new kitten named Watson. So yeah, I'm a cat lady, but <laughs> but I grew up with cats, so they're just I love them. So um, you're but not yeah. like a crazy cat lady though you don't have like 80 cats so that's no good. and I don't have weird cat figurines all over my house or <laughs> stuff like that so <laughs> but yeah so um I moved to Oklahoma less than a year ago actually 11 months ago from Virginia so I'm a Virginian at heart that's where I call home the reason why I moved here was to work at Life Church. Mm-hmm. I am the Life Groups Life Missions Project Leader at one of our Broken Arrow campuses, along with your husband. That's right. You um, get to work with my yeah. man. Yeah. It's, it's an awesome team. And I love Oklahoma so far, actually. I feel like the Tulsa area reminds me a lot of my hometown of Charlottesville for whatever reason. Hmm. So I kind of feel like it's my new home. What's the biggest difference, do you think? The biggest difference would probably be the people. They're a lot slower pace. You know, they smile at you when oh, you're yeah? in the grocery store and say hello. They don't smile at you there? Not as much. Okay. Some people, but maybe not everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's something that most people wouldn't know about you? Give us the exclusive information. Okay, yes. So I am a huge baseball fan. Oh, yeah? Yes. I know a lot of people in Oklahoma are huge football and basketball fans, but I just love baseball. I grew up going to games with my dad where Charlottesville is a college town. So we went to all the college games together and um, it was kind of a family affair. I played softball for a long time. So I just love the sport. I'm not sure where that originated, but it's just stuck with me my adult life. So I love, love it. Love it. 
So I grew up in a big time baseball family as well. And Derek does not like baseball. He thinks it's so boring. But I'm I can <laughs> talk him into going, you know, for the atmosphere and the hot dogs and all that. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> it really is the best being at a live game. Absolutely. It really is just nothing right. compares to that. Really any sport is better in person. I totally agree. I always tell people that my favorite place on earth would be at a like major league baseball stadium. Doesn't matter where. Doesn't matter what team. I just love being there. I don't know why. It's kind of weird. But something that a lot of people here in Oklahoma might not know about me is that I grew up as a singer. So I remembered my first solo when I was in kindergarten or first grade. So I've been singing since I can remember. Like who did you sing for? Was it a company or just It was for, for my school. Fun? For your school. Yeah. Whatever. I sang the going to the chapel song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my very first duet. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, I grew up singing and I love it and I led worship for a while and now I don't do it as much just because that's not the season I'm in, but I'm always singing in my car and in my shower kind of is where it happens now. <laughs> Get it, girl. Come on. Okay, so you said you moved a ton in your life. Do you feel like that that was a good thing or a hard thing? I always loved moving. So for me, it was always an exciting adventure. Just change was something I always embraced. I'm not sure how that happened. I don't think anyone else in my family loves moving as much as me. But yeah, it's just always been something I've enjoyed. So how many times have you moved in your life? In my life, I would say at least 15 probably. 12 of those I know have been in the past nine years. So in your adult life? My adult life, I've moved the most definitely. Wow. So as you look back on kind of all those moves and how friends were constantly changing, what did you learn in the process? I learned that community is super important. And when you don't have it, not only does it lead you to feel super lonely, but also I think sometimes you don't realize how much you need it hmm. when it's not around you. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. So since you did move all those times, what did you kind of find is the key to creating community, I guess rather quickly since you kind of had to, yeah. since you moved quite a bit? Mm -hmm. Especially as an adult, I think vulnerability is key. Mm -hmm. And for me, vulnerability is something that's scary. Moving wasn't, but the idea of opening up my life to strangers, to yeah. people that I don't know yet, that has been the scariest thing. But I've learned that you have to get over your fears. At least for me, I did. Because if I didn't get over my fears, the longer I lived in in that lack of community, I mean, it just led to so much loneliness and really not good decisions are made when I don't have those people around me. Yeah, so true. I think one thing that led me to realize that I wasn't really being as vulnerable as I thought I was mm -hmm. was um, after a few of those moves as an adult, I think I was probably like maybe 23 or something at the time, I got to this point where I realized that I think something's wrong with me. Mm. I remember looking around and seeing my friends and feeling like, but what if they really knew they me? They really knew you. Yeah. yeah which is a terrible place to be, but I think a lot of us get to that place where we realize, okay, so I actually am not being very real with these people. And what is the reason why? Mm -hmm. So I had to dig down deep and kind of figure that out. And I realized about myself that I had kind of been adapting to the image that I thought these people wanted me to be mm -hmm. in order to be accepted because I was fearful of being rejected because I had experienced that, you know, growing up. So I think I held on to those things too tightly and without really realizing it. Yeah. I think know, that's just, why we all put walls up though. Probably yeah. one of our deepest fears is that fear of rejection or maybe letting someone in on who we really are and then being rejected, you know, to be fully yes. exposed and to not be, not be loved in that is yeah. probably one of our deepest fears, you know? Yeah. It's a super vulnerable place to be when you know there's nothing I'm holding back and you can take it or leave it. Right. But that's also, like you said, I think that's the key where you can find true intimacy. And that's in any relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I got to this place in my life where I realized nothing is wrong with me. I believed that lie for a really long time. It says in Psalm 139, it says, I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. And another version of that says, 
I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My heart knows it full well. Mm -hmm. And I think part of knowing it full well means not being afraid to let others see who God has made us to be. There's a reason why we're created a certain way. And so once I started to figure out who that was, then that's when I started to figure out how to be okay with her. Mm -hmm. So how did you break through that? Because I think a lot of us can be scared of, okay, well, I want that. I want intimacy. I want to be vulnerable. But how do I start? (laughs) You know, how do I show up scared and jump into that with maybe it's strangers or maybe it's friends, which friends is actually, I think, harder. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. How do you do it? Well, um, I think one thing would be trusting others with that person that God has created you to be. Accepting my flaws was the hugest thing for me. For a long time, I listened to these lies of that I'm too loud, I'm long-winded. These are all things I've been told growing up from people in my life, and so I clung to those lies, and I believed them, and so I tried to tone myself down, and I would try just to be quiet when I really was excited about something. Mm. And so I kind of realized that what I thought were flaws for a long time are actually gifts that God has given me. Mm. And so I learned to channel those in a way that's helpful for a conversation. Mm -hmm. It's not bad to share the things you're excited about, the things you're passionate about. It's not terrible to be loud sometimes and to be loud girl yeah I mean I'm just I have a loud personality and I've learned to embrace that and it ends up bringing joy to others in ways that I never would have noticed before so I would say that's a huge thing yeah that's good And on the flip side, you know, if someone comes into your circle new who's opening themselves up and they're different from me, I love that, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. There's such diversity and beautiful things in the way that God has created humans. You know, Mm -hmm. we're all so different and so unique. And so I view that as a beautiful thing in others, but sometimes in myself. Yes. It's like, ah, I don't know. I feel too different or whatnot. And I think it's okay to realize that we do have flaws. I'm not saying that because I'm late to things a lot. That that's a good thing because probably I shouldn't be late to things as much. So those are things that we work on, but not things that we beat ourselves up over. And I think a lot of times we let our flaws stay under the surface Mm -hmm. and not come to terms with them enough to share those with others. I love talking with my friends about the things that I want to do better in and be better in because they're the ones who who push me forward. Yeah. So I think, you know, embracing our flaws and being okay with those and okay to admit them to each other Mm -hmm. really helps that vulnerability as well. Because then I know, oh, Jen's not perfect. She struggles with something. What a relief. (laughs) Surprise. I I, I struggle with stuff too. Yeah. So it's kind of. All of us. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Exactly. And like you said, I think when we really, if we peel back the onion, you know, there's so many layers of, gosh, we are all so far from perfect and have a million flaws. But a lot of those can be used for God's glory too. Oh, yeah. So a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And also when a friend of mine opens up and shares something that maybe they're not sharing with someone else or something they're struggling with, I mean, I feel even more connected to her than I did mm-hmm. before, you know? And I think vice versa. I just this week was sharing something with a friend. She's man, I'm really struggling with this. And what do you think? And I think that that, like we said before, does bring intimacy and also just makes you human, makes you real. Like we're all real people. So Yes. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that the people standing next to you are also human. (laughs) Absolutely. It can be hard to remember. Well, especially in Christian circles where we are pursuing Christ, just remembering that he's the perfect one. Right. We are not. And Mm -hmm. so just continually falling at his feet. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't seek to be like him and to pursue Mm -hmm. righteousness and all those things, because sometimes I think that gets swept under the rug too. Like, well, Jesus is perfect, so I don't need to be. And obviously, we never will be. we can fall on grace, but he also has called us to a different standard for our joy, not for like a begrudging submission type Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. I think it's important that you brought up grace because a huge thing about vulnerability is extending grace to others, obviously, because we know that they're human, but also extending grace to ourselves and realizing that we're human. And if God is extending grace to our friends and if he's extending grace to us, then why aren't we? Aren't we accepting it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we accepting that grace that he's that he's giving us? So yeah. that's a huge part. 
Well, speaking of grace and just kind of the messiness of life, I'm curious, what's something in your life, either a season or maybe a specific situation that's just been messy, but still you've seen God work through it? Yeah. So I can honestly say when I look back at probably just all of my adult life so far, I kind of see that as one big messy season. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would extend grace to the past several years. I feel like I am entering this new season where I'm seeing so much of just God's redemption in it and just a lot of joy. But before that, man, it has been really messy. And I think the reason that I say that is because life just really hasn't gone the way that I've planned. Hmm. So um, it kind of all started in college. So I wasn't raised in a Christian home. And so I accepted Christ into my life as my savior when I was 18. And that was right before I went to college. And um, I started in a community college, but I transferred to a Christian school and I wanted to pursue ministry there. And I think college was awesome, but who wants to graduate college without a husband in mind. You know, all my friends kind of graduated and they're all engaged or married Mm. or dating somebody. And here I am, you know, I felt like the only one graduating single. Mm. And that makes you think, again, there must be something wrong with me. Mm. And that was kind of where the lie started to get planted. And then, you know, I moved on and started my first job in ministry. And that ended up kind of not going the way I had planned. And I ended up getting let go. And it wasn't the best experience just to have it end how it did. And I started to question really, okay, really what's wrong with me? Mm. Why is this happening? So were you questioning your calling or were you questioning kind of your identity? I think it was both, honestly, because at that point in time, my calling was my identity. Right. So if I lost, you know, my calling, then really who was I? Mm. If I wasn't, I felt like, you know, if I wasn't doing a great job in ministry, then what else was I supposed to do? Who else was I? At that point, that's kind of where I was at. Um, But that didn't stop there. I, um, I had acquired some debt kind of since I was 18. I really never knew how to spend my money well. So I acquired some debt and I think it kind of caught up with me at that point. So that wasn't as planned. I didn't want to be here in my, you know, late 20s with all this debt, still single, kind of at an identity crisis. What was I supposed to pursue as my career at that point? And so then I continued to move around. Like I said, I moved a lot as an adult and mostly because I was trying to figure out where to work at this point and I was trying to live without a lot of money. So I just moved around, moved in with different roommates. And But through that time, also a lot of friends and roommates were getting married. And so that was another reason why I would have to move. A friend would get married here and her husband would have to move in or then another friend would get married and, and she'd have to move out. Yeah. <laughs> so that can be part of it too, of just like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not one of the people getting married? Why am I mm-hmm. not somebody who can keep a roommate? Um, so that was... That was really frustrating too. So it kind of all was messy, just thing after thing after thing of me questioning, okay, God, like, who am I? Mm -hmm. I thought that I knew, but clearly I didn't this whole time. And I think the most messy thing that happened was um, towards the end of the season, I was just at such a lonely place. I ended up um, being involved with a guy who was married and the relationship didn't last very long. But I found myself in this situation where I wasn't being obedient to his calling for my life, to who I am as a woman of God. And this is what he really used to grab a hold of my attention Hmm. and draw me back to him. So you're a believer, but you're not necessarily living like you believe. Yes. With your lifestyle. Yep. That's exactly where I was. And that's kind of where God began to pick up the pieces. And I think the only reason why he could do that then was because I got to this place where I kind of lost everything. I lost my identity. I lost a lot of friends, obviously. I lost uh, a best friend. I lost a community of believers Mm -hmm. where I was attending church. So I kind of had to start over in every way. And you can't really start over without surrender. You're surrendering something. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're moving to a new place, you're surrendering your comfort in that old place, in that old home. You're surrendering those 
old friends or the job you were working. But in this situation, I really had to surrender everything. I had to start over. I had to let God put those pieces back together. There wasn't another option, really. It was either do that and follow God or who knows. Mm -hmm. I know that you had told me that you got to a place where you really think you idolized marriage or a marriage relationship in an unhealthy way to where you wanted that so badly to where you, mm-hmm. in a dark place, compromised who you were and what you really believed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I put so much identity in my career, in who this man said that I was, in who the people around me said that I was. Um, I idolized my dreams of being married. I idolized where I wanted to be in the next five years. Mm -hmm. Um, And I strived with everything that I had and everything that I was for all of those things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's not the right direction. Right. So that's why God really, he really just had to redirect me. And that's what he used to get me to shift my perspective onto him. Mm -hmm. So once God kind of got a hold of your heart, And was just like, hey, (laughs) you are losing yourself because you're not focused on me. What what happened then? Yeah, well, I let God redefine me. Mm -hmm. And I use that word really specifically and intentionally because that was the word that he gave me in that season. I just felt like I was continually reminded, let me define you. This is my story that I'm writing. Mm -hmm. And I had never done that before. I had never stopped long enough to really let God tell me who I was. And I don't know why. I think, yeah, the East Coast is busy and there's a a fast-paced lifestyle. I think my personality gravitates toward do, do, do. What you do Mm -hmm. determines who you are. You always say on your podcast that we're not human doings, we're human beings. Mm -hmm. And that was when I realized I had to just be. And so I let the Lord speak those truths into my life and redefine my identity. Those lies that I had believed for years of there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, I created you on purpose. Yes, exactly. Learning to surrender allowed me to shift my focus off of getting my own way and onto God getting the glory in everything, which is not where my focus was before. It was... Well, I want to be married by this point in time. Well, I want to be with this person that makes me feel good about myself. I have these plans. Yes. I want to be a singer. I want to pursue this, you know, career for me. But I never once asked, hey, God, what's the best thing for my life? I Mm -hmm. never never stopped long enough to ask him what he wanted for me. Right. So you said you were 18 whenever you became a Christian, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. So you didn't grow up hearing necessarily who you were through the lens of Christ. Yeah, I didn't. That would definitely be a mind shift, right? And Mm -hmm. so you accepted that salvation, but, you know, there's the whole sanctification process. Then after that, that we fall into, you know, where he does, I love what you said. Did you say redefined? Mm -hmm. He refines us and he redefines us. Yeah. But we can't be defined or redefined without the definer, (laughs) you know, the one who created us in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And here I am now. I'm in a similar season of singleness still. This time now, I'm in my 30s. Years later. Yeah. Years later, yeah. And I can say now that the perspective has totally shifted. And it was because of the mess that I went through that I'm able to see it differently now. Some of the uh, verses, I guess, that the Lord has used instrumentally to bring me to this place, I like to share one of them. I actually want to read like a little entry in my journal that I wrote. Please do. We've all probably heard Proverbs 69. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And the Lord determines our steps part, I think, is kind of still a little bit messy just to to learn how to surrender to whatever his steps are. Right, um, and then to fall in step with him yes. and keep in step with him. And yeah. even the lies and the shame that we've been carrying around, that's not meant to be taken with us as we're walking. So true. And so we kind of have to 
do a little work on ourselves before we're really able to walk those steps, I think. Right. And so that's where um, 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2 kind of comes in. So the verse is, since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. It's a, the Passion Translation, so it's a little um, different from what we're used to reading. But what I wrote in my journal as a reflection from that is finding joy and contentment in every circumstance comes through this very mindset, thinking like Jesus, shifting the way we view our current seasons and circumstances. When things don't go our way, it's a blessing from God. He's training us to surrender. He's teaching us obedience. A relationship with Jesus isn't about life going the way we plan for it to. It's about falling in love with the heart of God so much that our heart becomes an extension of His. Only then will we begin to truly pursue the things that He wants for us, giving up the things we love for the things we love even more. That's one of the code statements that we have at Life Church. And I just think that that goes so much in line with this verse. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful what you wrote. You should write a devotional. <laughs> Maybe someday I will. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, being single in my 30s, still definitely not something I ever planned for myself. Moving to Oklahoma, still not really something I ever planned for myself. But both things involved surrender and involved obedience. They both involved stopping of the striving for my own plan, for my own vision for where I want to be or where other people are at and trying to keep up with them. But um, it involved striving for God's will only. Right. I think that's what contentment is. I think Mm -hmm. that's what contentment means. It's focusing our hearts off of what we don't have and onto instead what we do have, realizing, hey, these are the blessings that God's given me in this season. Um, These are the gifts he's giving me and I'm going to use them instead of wishing that I had different blessings or different gifts. Right. I think contentment is huge. And, you know, like you talked about idolizing, I want this job or I want this marital status or whatnot. I think the temptation to idolize marriage over God isn't confined to singleness. Even for married people, we can be tempted to idolize our husbands, our kids, our jobs, whatever our status is or is not and thinking it should be one or the other. The list doesn't really stop, does it? Oh, no, it sure doesn't. (laughs) So really the question of identity from a Christian worldview can only be answered in God, but Mm -hmm. we try to answer it in so many other places. And then we come up empty and lonely and depressed and Mm -hmm. wonder, you know, who am I? Like, where you got? Yeah. And I've heard it put, I listened to a podcast several years ago, kind of when I was coming out of that season, that messy season. And on the podcast, the host was talking about what she's learned since she's been married and she has kids. And she said, One thing that I wish I knew back when I was single was that the things that I was striving for and the things that I was allowing to define my life Mm -hmm. at that point, I wish that I had known that I would bring all of that into a marriage. Mm -hmm. I wish that I had known that I would still be striving for the next best thing or for whatever it is. I wish I would have known that I would still be defining myself by the same lies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So true. The solution to our frustration and singleness is God. And yes. then the solution to our frustration in marriage is God. Yeah. <laughs> so really the solution to kind of this restlessness or frustration or identity crisis that we have, mm-hmm. you know, in any season, in any stage of life. Yeah. I don't mean to sound hyper churchy, but, you know, it all comes back to seeking first the kingdom of God and then all things will be given yes. to you after that. But, yep. um, you know, if we're not seeking him first and allowing ourselves to be satisfied in him alone, then, man, we're just going to miss it. Yeah. So... Okay, well, I want to go back to just the topic of singleness in general because really I've had I've had lots of women asking for more episodes <laughs> from a single woman's perspective. Yeah. I think it's huge. It's such an important topic. I heard a stat a while back. I forget what it was, but they were talking about 50 years ago, the number of people that weren't married was a lot less than it is today. Mm. A lot, lot less. Like I think, I don't know, it was like 10% and now it's like 50%. That stat's probably totally wrong. I'm not sure what it was, but it was a massive gap. 
and just talking about, you know, culturally, we're just at such a different place. And obviously, there are a lot of different reasons for singleness. And so I know that's hard to lump mm-hmm. into one area because there's people who feel called to singleness. Mm-hmm. There's people who don't want to be single, but they are right now. And they're, you know, praying for God to bring that spouse. There's people who are single due to divorce or to a tragedy, a death. And so there's a lot of different seasons And that's probably unfair to lump into one category, I guess. Yeah. But as for you, because we're interviewing you, we're talking to you Mm -hmm. as far as singleness, what's something that you've learned, just perspective that you've gained over the years where you are able now to find your contentness in God in this season and not just striving for the next thing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And I want to clarify the season of singleness that I'm in is one where I am praying for my future husband. I think it's good for people to see yeah, to that, hear where that you're I'm at. speaking. Yeah, I'm speaking out of a heart that I want to be married someday. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay with being single forever. Although, if that's what God has called for me, I know that right. he will give me the strength. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that you're in a wasted season at right. all. In fact, the opposite. Exactly. So even though you desire to be married one day, which is a great thing. I mean, I desired to be married before I was married to Derek. You know, mm-hmm. that was a longing in my heart. But yet in these moments right now when you aren't, where are you? What have you learned? Yeah, I've learned that surrounding myself with only single people is killing my spirit. Hmm. It kills my joy to be reminded, oh, woe is me, we're all single. I think I lived a lot of years avoiding people who are in the next life stage because I thought that it would make me feel even more sad Mm. that I wasn't there. But now that I'm in this season, now I'm realizing how helpful and how important it is for me to see godly marriages being lived out. I think there's this, um, there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to marriage in a single person's life, I think. As a young single person, I thought that marriage was this end-all, be-all. My life starts when I'm married. I am really living and doing ministry then. You know, that marriage is kind of the... Like the end goal. Yeah, that's the end goal. You find somebody that loves you and has your back and fights for you. And it's like happily ever after, like you see on the Disney movies. (laughs) (laughs) And all of us that are married, you know, kind of. You're all laughing at me now. (laughs) No, 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 not laughing at you. No, but that's, that's definitely where I was. And I think that's kind of where the lies about marriage even started. I was believing this lie about this goal that I had. And so I think I've learned to keep my perspectives really true to reality. Right. And the only way to do that is to surround myself with people who are living differently than me. Mm -hmm. So I love hanging out with my married friends and learning more about forgiveness and what that looks like in a day-to-day in the marriage. Mm -hmm. And I used to question how people will always say like, I still say I do every day. And I used to question, what does that really mean? But now I know you really have to Mm -hmm. because I'm watching my friends' marriages and I'm watching them be be real and honest about Mm -hmm. how hard it is and and how some days it is like you have to choose to say I do because you may not agree with something or you may be going through something tough as a family Mm -hmm. and it's not always easy. And I think that's really important for me to see now because then when I go into a marriage, I'm going to be expecting the hard days. Right. Oh yeah. I think you have a really unique and important perspective right now where you have a front row seat Mm -hmm. to be a student of other marriages and to take notes and say, okay, well, I don't like that. Or man, I love how they do this, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's going to really give you an advantage whenever you reach that season. Yeah. And it's not just like a front row seat to like, you know, the pastor that you see on the pulpit or like the people that you read about in the books, but it's it's actually getting to know the married couples right. around you um, and asking them the hard. What are the hardest things about your marriage? What are you guys going through right now? I, I know that those are hard questions to ask when you're a single person because it maybe can seem like you're intruding on someone's life or something like that. But those are the things that I've really gained so much wisdom from and so much perspective from is just being vulnerable enough to ask the hard questions and knowing that my friends are going to go there with me honestly. 
I think it's so great. And I also think that maybe from a married person's perspective, looking at a single person, that a common myth is, oh, well, you don't want to talk about married stuff. You don't want to talk about kids stuff. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to bring you in because I don't want to bore you with that. Or I don't want you to just be so uninterested or whatever. Whenever really, we love hearing about each other's unique lives from different perspectives. Yeah. Like that's such a lie. It's just not true. Yeah, I think that is so true. And I see that a lot with my friends who have kids. Sometimes they're like, well, um, I don't know if I can go because oh, my crazy child will be running around and I really don't want them to, you know, be an inconvenience. And I'm thinking, I love your kid. I love when your kid runs around. I think it's so cool. I love to watch you parent and I love to learn from how you discipline. I love to see the way that you love him or her. And I I love to just observe. And I feel like I learn how to parent when I'm watching mm-hmm. my, my friends. And I think as a single person, I can say I'm not ex- expecting my friends to have a perfect marriage or to have a perfect kid right. or to be a perfect mom. But all of those things good. help me to learn What is it going to look like for me as a human when I'm a wife, when I'm a mother? Right. So back to earlier, we were talking about the end goal and how marriage is not the end goal. But I do think it's important to state what the end goal is because marriage isn't the end goal. It's not our highest calling. But the end goal and our highest calling is to know God and to make his name known. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's the end goal. And really, even marriage here on earth was given by God as a picture, you know, a shadow, a shadow of a representation of how much Christ loves the church that he gave himself up for her. And that's us. That's the body of Christ. And I love how Paul even refers to marriage in Ephesians 5. He says, this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. And so there's something that's so much bigger going on than singleness then even marriage. There's something so much bigger than all of that, and that is Christ's love for his people, his church. And I think that's the greater the greater goal that we need to keep in mind. Yeah, I agree. No matter what season of life you're in, the end goal never changes. So no matter how old I am or, you know, what the next thing is in life that I have to look forward to, I know that the end goal will always be the same mm-hmm. or should always be the right. same. Yeah. So Paul, does Paul have a last name? Saul of Tarsus. Turned into Paul. I don't know. Anyway, so Paul, um, Paul is awesome, right? So Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. Paul talks a lot about what a God-honoring marriage should look like. He honors marriage all throughout his letters. But Paul himself is actually single. And in fact, he's able to live his life radically surrendered, like you're talking about surrender, to the mission of spreading the gospel, traveling all over the ancient world, spending his time building up and encouraging the church, a lot due to the fact that he was undistracted, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't have all these other things fighting for his attention. And so I want to read just a little bit that he wrote in 1 Corinthians 7. In verse 6, he says, I wish everyone were single just as I am, yet each person has a special gift from God. And then later in the chapter, it's too long to read the whole thing, but starting in verse 29, he says, But let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of this world should not become attached to them. For this world, as we know, it will soon pass away. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking about how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions possible. So he speaks to marriage and he speaks to singleness, saying marriage is a gift and singleness is a gift. Mm -hmm. And so especially in your case, because, you know, a desire of your heart is to get married one day. And I believe that you will be one day. How do you not waste your singleness right now? Yeah. I think a lot of single people who are listening to this right now probably cringed when you said singleness is a gift. But Mm -hmm. I think that until you're really able to see singleness as a gift, I don't really think you're living up to all that God has for you in that season. So what I mean by that is for me as a single person, I see it as a gift and I can say that wholeheartedly because I look around me at my life and I genuinely am thankful 
And I think for me, keeping my thankfulness at the forefront is huge. Mm. So looking around and seeing, I love coming home to my cats. I love my cats. That sounds stupid, but I do. And I love that I get to help men and women in the church connect with community. I love that that's what I get to do. Whether or not I have a husband, I still get to do this. And so I think it's looking around in our lives and seeing instead of what are those things that like I don't have or I can't yeah, do. Yeah, it's for, it's more focusing on the joys of the things that we do have and the mm-hmm. gifts that we have been given. And singleness is one of those. Mm-hmm. Singleness isn't a setback. I always tell people it's not a setback. It's part of our story. Clearly, there must be a reason for this. There must be a purpose. And I see what Paul is saying every day just with being able to wake up and kind of do whatever I want in the morning. I don't have to make decisions based around a family or what a husband is doing. And I think that it's just a different type of blessing in this season. You know, like my focus is on the Lord and on what the Lord has for me. Right. I heard someone say that one of the gifts of singleness is the ability to give a spontaneous yes. And so Mm. the truth is you can say yes to things right now in this season that I can't say yes to. And I consider it a huge privilege to be married Mm. and have kids. However, it's hard for me to go pour into a bunch of girls at eight o'clock at night. It's hard for me to just decide I'm going to go on a, you know, international mission trip. It's hard for me to, to just be as free to do ministry as it comes because there are certain responsibilities. You know, there's mouse to feed, there's kids that need bathed, there's homework, there's all these different things that are a gift in my season. And I can consider it a joy to be making disciples in my own home. However, if you really think about the call of Jesus, the call to go and make disciples of all nations, right? So the initial call of Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and to populate the earth. And now we have the call to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded us. So we are still to be fruitful and multiply. It's still the name of the game, but it's to make spiritual disciples, not just physical children. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And so that's, that's so a huge, huge thing. And really, that's what Paul did in his lifetime. He didn't have physical children. But he had Timothy, who he considered his true son in the faith, I think is what he calls him. And, you know, he's writing letters and encouraging the church. And there's a lot of other singles in the Bible that we could go into if we had more time. But, you know, even if this season is temporary or even if it's permanent, regardless, there is work to be done. If you're single, leverage your singleness and get in the fight. And if you're married, leverage your marriage and get in the fight. But regardless, just don't sit around and do nothing. Like, get in the fight. Yeah, and I think that's good. It really is a fight to stay focused, Mm -hmm. to stay focused on that mission right? in everything that you do and in every season that will ever be in. Because no matter what season you're in, it's not the season you'll be in forever. Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. And then I think continue praying and seeking God on the desires of your heart you know, and in the right timing, in the right way, he knows best and he is yeah. sovereign. And if that's what he wants for your life, then it's going to happen, you know, and nobody can keep you from that. So yeah, trust in God comes in a lot in singleness, because if I'm not trusting that he truly knows better than me, then that's when I'm questioning, are you sure that I shouldn't marry this guy? Right. Or are you sure that I should do this or that or that I should still be single now? Mm-hmm. Um, but if I really believe that he knows better than me and he's an amazing God who loves me, he lavishes his love upon us, then clearly he's not leaving me out to dry. Right. Absolutely not. So what are some things that people say that are annoying that you can help us with? Like I, I think we've talked about before, yes. and I've probably <laughs> I've probably done this, and so I apologize if I have. But you know, you might meet someone that's adorable like you. You're just so adorable and spunky and fun, and you love the Lord. And so when you find out you're single, it's like, oh, trying to think who I could set you up with. But I know that that's probably <laughs> the most annoying thing in the world because it almost assumes that there's a problem that needs to be fixed. Yes, and there's not. Yes, good call. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Okay, so that's one Mm -hmm. that I'm going to call myself out on. (laughs) What are some other things that people say that are either just wrong or they're dumb or they just shouldn't say them? I think for me, one thing that bothers me the most, probably, I guess this would, I would say this is a pet peeve of mine, would be when they assume that I'm unhappy and they say, oh, well, he's coming. Someday you'll meet him or something like, oh, don't worry. He's around here somewhere. And I'm like, I know. (laughs) 
I don't really need a reminder. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Got it. Um, so I don't know. That's just a little one. But I think also there you always get the question of like, wow, why? Like, why are you still single? Like you're incomplete. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like because I want to be, honestly. Right. Like I could have married anybody at any point in time, in theory, obviously. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> but I'm choosing to be you're wise, I think. Yes. So <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, and was it Craig recently in a sermon that said single is still a whole number? He did. I, I thought that. that was so good. I love that. But yeah. it also, I will say though that sometimes it does bother me when people joke. They crack those single jokes sometimes of like, if you're single, look around you, make eye contact with the one that you like, then go say hi to them <laughs> later or something like that. And I'm just like, you know what? It's not really that easy. <laughs> and it's also <laughs> this not- is hard. Yeah, it's hard, but it's also. Putting humor to it isn't all the time helpful because, you know, it's seriously cool to be single. That's right. (laughs) You are very seriously cool. (laughs) And I think another misconception that is really good to mention is whether we believe this about ourselves or whether we believe this about someone else. A lot of the time people will look at someone who's single, like say, even me and my single friends will meet a guy who's who's our age and single and we're and we'll think that he's awesome but to ourselves we'll say well there must be something wrong why is he single and and yeah you're afraid people say that about you yeah yeah and i think it's good to remember that again there's nothing wrong with this i feel like that's another myth yes it's a huge myth the reason is because this is god's purpose for you right now season yeah and he has a, a plan in this season for ways that he wants to utilize your gifts I think it's a beautiful thing, and I think you are wearing it well. Thanks. <laughs> I love that, wearing it. I am. Yeah, you are. I love that. Mm-hmm. You're rocking it. And I know we're talking about some different things that you've been through in your life before, but truly like to see you now just as confident in your own skin and content where you are and running on mission with purpose unapologetically is a really mm-hmm. beautiful thing. And I, I think it'll be cool to see what God does in the future, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Thank you. That's a huge compliment. <laughs> All right. Well, we could keep going, but we don't have time. So (laughs) we would love to hear what are some resources that you love and just want to pass along to someone else. Yeah. So I have been getting into the Enneagram recently, which is one, yes, another one of those personality tests, but it's beyond that. It kind of goes to the root of the core of the motivation behind the way that you are, which I love because that's totally changeable. Those are things that we can improve and work on is our motives. And so I love the Enneagram because it challenges me to be a better me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what's your number? I'm a six. A six. Actually, yes. I already knew that. You told me. But <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so The Road Back to You by Ian Cron is a really great book that's kind of a beginner into the Enneagram. And he also has a podcast called Typology, Ooh, where he goes into each number, kind of interviews people who are each number. And there's some group ones as well, which is really cool to hear how different numbers interact with each other. So I think that would be awesome even for you married folks out there who, you know, are living with someone with a different personality than you. I think right. it's cool to see how they interact. So the Enneagram has been huge. I know what Derek is, but I feel like I'm kind of a mutt and I'm still struggling to completely pinpoint what I am. I have some hunches, but... You'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, then a book for me that was super core in... Just helping me really identify my true identity in Christ and who I am is called Becoming Myself by Stacey Eldridge. And it just is so simple in breaking down who we are in Christ and how to really become who God is intending for you to be and who he's creating us to be. And that's within our unique gifts and skills Absolutely. And, and personalities. So I love that book. That cool. has been super key. Then um, I am, obviously, I mentioned I'm a singer, so I'm a huge music buff. So for me, I listen to worship a lot, and it really refocuses my heart on the Lord in those hard moments when life is, you know, a right. little messier, it's a chaotic. Little messy. <laughs> um, so I wrote down my three favorite worship albums that have kind of been there with me through thick and thin. 
Um, and none of these are super current, but they're just ones that I will love forever. Yes. They're solid. Carrie Job's album, The Garden, has been so, so good for me in the past and just in the present and mm-hmm. I'm sure it will be in the future. <laughs> the album Brave New World by Amanda Cook has been another one of those really great resources and then Elevation Worship has an album called There is a Cloud and that has a lot of great um, songs on it as well. So those have been kind of the things that I have loved over the past several years. Awesome. Those are great. Well, do you have a final word of encouragement that you can just leave us all with? Yes. To help us continue on (laughs) with our week. Yes. So I wanted to speak to two different types of people out there and maybe you're both of these. Okay. But to those who struggle to find community, I just wanted to say, stop running away from your fears and fight to stay face forward on the path. It sounds crazy, but it's here that you'll learn that vulnerability can lead to some of the most real friendships that you'll ever have. And to all my single ladies out there, I just wanted to say singleness is not your status and it's not your identity and it's not a setback. Singleness is your story and God has a purpose for it right now. Stay focused on what you're thankful for and on what you do have. We may be alone sometimes, but that doesn't mean we have to live lonely. What might God want you to do with the gifts in your life currently? This is your mission right now, so take it and run with it. That's a good word. Jillian, thank you for being here today and for sharing some of your story. Thank you, Jen. Well, I just want to close with one more thought. Going back to our end goal, which is to know God and to make Him known, something that's beyond status and season, there's a great passage in Isaiah 54, 4-5 that kind of sums it all up. It says, Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of your widowhood, for your Creator will be your husband. The Lord of Heaven's armies is His name. He is your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth. Above all, He can be the love of your life. So maximize your season, whatever that is, to know Him and to make Him known. Let Him redefine you. Let Him be the goal. Well, a few quick reminders. You can follow the Messy Table podcast on Instagram. You can subscribe for free in all the usual places like iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. You can also join my email list for free at ginjewel.com. I send out a quick email every time a new podcast episode or blog post goes live. All right, guys. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us today. We'd love to hear what you think and what you would add to the conversation. And also, as you go about your week, remember that yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.